Welcome to Happened Here. People, places, and the stories they tell. I'm Joanna Lumley, host of this episode, Hitchcock, Always a Londoner. What do you do if you're Alfred Hitchcock and in your 70s? Do you retire? You've been a filmmaker all your life, directing over 50 films. Your first was in 1925, when you were 26. You directed the first British talkie. Your early British films included The 39 Steps and The Lady Vanishes. You go to Hollywood and make some of the most revered movies of all time. Psycho, North by Northwest, The Birds. Your most recent movie was less well-received than those at the peak of your success. So, do you retire? No, you go back to Britain and keep doing what you do best, filmmaking. This episode tells the story of the making of what turned out to be Alfred Hitchcock's penultimate film, Frenzy, of a chance encounter on set, of work in the dark editing suite, and of one of the most famous long shots in film history. Without further ado, let's begin. Covent Garden Piazza by the Floral Market Hall. Frenzy, written by Joanna Clark, performed by Stephen Fry. Two actors follow the cine camera on its dolly track. The woman in a wide-lapelled, burnt-orange, 70s suit. The man with a wide purple kipper tie. They talk as they skirt the vegetable market of the Covent Garden Piazza, stroll into the warehouse-sized floral market hall in the southeast corner of the square, past stacks of flowers on display and in boxes balanced on the shoulders and heads of porters. And they emerge back into the piazza. Cut! July the 30th, 1971. Principal photography for Frenzy, a serial killer thriller is underway. Director Alfred Hitchcock, born 1899, now aged 71, is back home in London. Lunch! The crew relaxes. Hitchcock, sitting in his open-topped white Rolls-Royce from which he has directed the scene, surveys his set. Crates stacked high with fruit and vegetables, lorries and carts and stalls, costumonger extras wait for the call to balance enormous stacks of baskets on their heads again, cigarettes hanging loosely from their lips. There's barely room for his crew to move amongst the hustle and bustle. There is four hundred years of barely controlled chaos in the fabric of this place. Hitch humphs, satisfied and exits the roller. Then, a scuffle. Excuse me, Mr. Hitchcock, sir. Hitchcock turns to see an elderly man in a flat cap being ushered away by his security team. Excuse me, sir, but I remember your father, Mr. William, here, in all this mud. Hitchcock orders his men to release the gentleman at once, his face beaming. My father, the mud, please join me for lunch. 
As the two men eat, the old man remembers Alfred as a young boy hanging on his father's apron strings as his dad haggled for vegetables. Hitchcock, born in the final year of the 19th century, describes with joy a childhood spent accompanying his father, a greengrocer, on his trips to Covent Garden to buy produce for their shop in Leytonstone, East London. He remembers a pony. They chuckle about the rats who came out in top hats and tails to feast on the day's leftovers. The stall in Seven Dials, supplying tasty morsels to attract feral cats to keep the rodents in check. The old man describes Basket Jim Sainsbury, who in the 1920s got the title King Carrier for balancing 20 veg baskets on his head. The feat is common now. So still are the rats. The market's days are numbered, the old man sighs. There's a plan to turn this whole area into some kind of conference centre. Hitchcock smiles ruefully, but he knows that the market has long outgrown the piazza. It's going to go, one way or another. He was here as a boy, and now he's part of its swan song. Mr Hitchcock, sir, when you're ready. A nervous runner interrupts the reverie. The director nods, bids the elderly gentleman a fond farewell, and makes his way back to set, drinking in every sight and sound. Time folds. The actors, the real market of his childhood, his father's voice. The soul of this market will soon be lost, and the Covent Garden immortalised in his movie will be of a bygone era. But perhaps there will be fewer rats. The return to his childhood roots, to the creativity, the nourishment and decay of a flower and vegetable market, and now also to the banks of the River Thames, all provide food for ideas to promote frenzy to his audience. The Thames by the Houses of Parliament, London, the master of promotion, written by Joanna Clark, performed by Stephen Fry. A bulky man sits in the dark in front of a flickering screen. Wide shot, the Thames, central London, boats and barges and a body floating on the water. Midshot, a fat, suit-clad cadaver bobbing on the water. Close up, murky water behind the corpse's face. The eyes open, the head turns, speaks. I dare say you're wondering why I am floating around London like this. Director Alfred Hitchcock chuckles in the darkness of the editing suite. Filling the monitor, his own face looks back at him. Yes, a sufficiently macabre and attention-grabbing opening for the trailer of his new 1972 film, Frenzy, a murder mystery set in London's Covent Garden. It's his 55th movie, his first adult certificate feature. This one has nudity and on-screen sexual violence, 
It's the 70s. Movies like A Clockwork Orange, Straw Dogs and Dirty Harry have pushed the boundaries of what is acceptable. The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola's masterpiece, will come out in the same year. Maybe in this company, the old master's trailer is a bit tacky, but is a perfect tongue-in-cheek counterpoint to his film's opening sequence. Now triumphant orchestral music swells as the camera swoops down along the river, zooms in on a gathering on the embankment, which includes Hitchcock himself. A city official promises to clean the Thames of the waste products of our society and that it will carry no foreign bodies. Shortly before the corpse of a woman, naked but for a tie, appears in the water. The necktie murderer has struck again. It wasn't the first time the well-known director had inserted himself into his film trailers. A master of suspense, he was also a master of promotion, using his own established Hollywood persona as a tool to build anticipation prior to release. Psycho's trailer had been a full six-minute guided tour of the film's location by Hitchcock, teasing the audience with tiny snippets of the dark subject matter. For the birds, the director delivered a comedic lecture on man's relationship with our good friends, soon-to-be villains. In the Frenzy trailer, Hitchcock takes center stage, introducing the audience to Covent Garden Market, the scene of another horrible murder. In 1972, Covent Garden was still a sprawling wholesale fruit and vegetable market, and now, as the trailer spools on, on the Steenbeck editing machine, the director watches himself open a potato sack on a veg stall. Lift out a potato, only for a human foot to pop out of the sack. He hurriedly stuffs the foot back in, looking guiltily around to see if anyone noticed. Further down the trailer, where one poor victim is found with the murderer's signature weapon around her neck, Hitchcock, dressed in characteristic black suit, takes the tie off the woman's prone body and puts it on. He looks knowingly at the audience. How do you like my tie? he asks. The title Frenzy flashes in red capitals across the screen, cracking like glass over actress Barbara Lee Hunt's face, mid-scream. The trailer cuts to black. The lights turn on in the editing booth, and Hitchcock gives a nod of approval. After a disappointing decade, he's back with a bang, or rather, a necktie strangulation. That'll do nicely. Hitchcock's persona and appearance in his movies are all part of the legend, but what, towards the end of his career, would the critics think? Did he still have it? 3 Henrietta Street, Covent Garden. The Critic and the Long Shot. Written by Joanna Clark. Performed by Stephen Fry. Silence. Fingers poise over the typewriter. She loves this moment. 
Penelope Houston, editor of Sight and Sound magazine, consults her notes. It's 1972, and she's just been to a screening of Alfred Hitchcock's latest film, Frenzy. Houston is pleasantly surprised. Seventy-one, and he's still got it. Still pushing, technically. Still surprising audiences. His heyday culminated in the fifties and early sixties with undisputed masterpieces like Vertigo and Psycho. But his two most recent films, Topaz and Torn Curtain, had been shunned by critics and viewers alike. Frenzy is something like a return to form. It's not perfect. Houston had not enjoyed the clichés of the first half of the film that pile up like Covent Garden Brussels sprouts. Oh, that's good. Save that. It is a shrewd Hitchcockian move to return to the murder genre on which he made his name and to his home ground. Once a Londoner, always a Londoner. That's it. The typewriter clicks and clacks. The review is underway. The master of suspense does not disappoint. Frenzy delivers in typical Hitchcockian style, turning the audience into a voyeur, maximizing our anxiety and fear. The Certificate 18 is to cover his most vicious murder scene. A montage shows the strangulation of a woman much more graphically than the infamous psycho shower scene. Her chest exposed, her struggles, the tie round her neck, her tongue lolling out. It's shocking, a new level of voyeurism. Perhaps Hitchcock's neck trick is a little on the nose. A shot of a quiet street corner after the brutal murder scene, a countdown shot held to show just how long he can keep his public waiting for a scream. But later, there's a famous shot that shows Hitchcock is still inventing. After a sequence that tracks the killer and his prey round the piazza and the floral market, the actors turn down Henrietta Street at the corner of the piazza. At number three, unsuspecting barmaid Babs is ushered in by none other than the murderer himself, Bob Rusk. We watch the couple climb the staircase, enter a flat. Door shuts, leaving us on the landing. We know what's going to happen. But instead of seeing the action, silently the camera moves slowly and steadily away from the door, back down the stairs, round the turn of the staircase, and out of the house and into the street, away from the scene. It's a complete contrast to the last murder shown in grisly detail. This time, the audience is left to imagine what is happening, daring, more chilling for the audience than the explicit earlier scene. As the camera exits the front door, a man walks past carrying a big sack of potatoes on his shoulder. This allows an imperceptible cut from the studio shot of the staircase back out to the on-location exterior, and we're back in the noise and bustle of the market, where no one would hear you scream, as if nothing had happened. Superb. A full stop. A slide of the carriage lever. Houston smiles. 
Job done on what will turn out to be Hitchcock's penultimate movie. Many things have changed since the release of his first film, The Pleasure Garden, in 1925, but one thing has stayed the same. He's still the master of suspense. Six decades of making films on locations across the world and the circle is almost closed back in Covent Garden amidst the sights, sounds and smells Alfred Hitchcock knew as a little boy. Happened here, people, places and the stories they tell. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, tell your friends and leave us a kind review and a rating on your podcast platform of choice. But for now, from everybody involved in Happened Here, the writers, the hosts, the performers, thank you for listening. Do come again. We've got lots more stories to tell. Ah, happened here.